Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Pretty much just uh, hype up our order deadline for getting a guaranteed you know, December 25th delivery. Um, and then after that, we, we tried to hype up our gift cards. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, you learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to automate Facebook messaging to promote products, how to create a gift guide to target holiday shoppers, and how you can keep on driving sales all the way up to Christmas Day. Today, I'm joined by Jeremiah Robinson from Beloved Shirts. Beloved Shirts makes all kinds of quirky, fun designs on shirts, hoodies, onesies, and more. And it was starting in 2013 and based out of Provo, Utah. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us about some of your most popular products. So it's kind of been pretty random for us. Like in the early days, I would say what really got us on the map was we did a, an Oliver Prince sweatshirt with Oprah's face on it. <laughs> and BuzzFeed picked that up and we kind of went from overnight after that happened from being just a little experiment for fun into being an actual business. And that happened about three months after we launched the Shopify store. So in March of 2013. So you mentioned that it was kind of an experiment to see, you know, exactly what would happen. Did you have any experience launching businesses or products in the past? Yeah. So before that, um, you know, I actually used to sell uh, weight loss supplements online. So I had a my own store. It wasn't with Shopify. This was way before that. Um, so I did have some experience uh, with Google AdWords and, you know, just hiring a team to do the SEO on that site. And we we uh, did pretty well with it. But um, I had since kind of exited that um, industry and uh, wanted to get into clothing. And I was just really experimental at first. We were just joking around. Um, you know, I, it actually started even before we did the shop. I started an Instagram, Instagram account to show our concepts, uh, which we did on Photoshop, just pretty much mocking up sweatshirt designs. And uh, based off of that Instagram account, I, I saw a lot of interest. And that's what kind of led us to, you know, launching the Shopify store. And uh, things got pretty serious after that Oprah sweatshirt, to be <laughs> honest. Did, did you, what kind of success did you see with that Instagram account? Like, were you getting a lot of followers, a lot of comments? Like, what, what did you see uh, in reaction wise that made you realize that this thing had legs? Yeah, so we, we just got a ton of uh, traffic on the site. So I, I guess before this happened, before that BuzzFeed article launched, uh, we were doing about, I don't know, like three to five hundred dollars a day in sales, um, and then literally the night after um, we saw that article go online, we did sixteen thousand dollars that day, and then uh, you know the next day was I think it was around thirteen or twelve thousand, and it continued for the rest of that week doing you know we were averaging about seven to eight thousand dollars a day for a whole week, and then it slowly tapered down to about three thousand a day. And kind of has remained like that ever since. It hasn't really dipped much below that. Um, so yeah, that really just put us on the map and things started to circulate, people sharing uh, our products online. And yeah, mm -hmm. it, we, we kind of thrive off of the viral attention. So I don't know if you've seen recently, uh, we did this hairy chested swimsuit. Mm -hmm. It's basically a man's hairy chest on a one piece swimsuit. And that uh, definitely made the rounds, um, you know, CNN, uh, featured it and it, it was global news actually that that hairy chest design so we kind of like experienced that you know time and time again just like little viral spikes yeah i see it on the side it's it's pretty funny um but you, but you mentioned that even before any sales came in you tested the waters like just by posting your concepts your designs on instagram did you see people what, what did you see what did you hear what kind of receptions did you get from people that made you realize that that you should pursue this further yeah so it People were actually really wanting us to produce these shirts instead of just teasing them with the concepts. So, you know, and at the time, sublimation wasn't really popular in fashion. It was more uh, this technology of Oliver Print was used more for um, sports apparel, like mm -hmm. soccer jerseys and things like that. So it was really hard at first to actually develop the product. Uh, I ended up finding this uh, manufacturer on Alibaba that did hoodies like and jerseys and, and they ended up doing the crew neck sweaters for me 
And uh, it, it wasn't the greatest quality, to be honest. And right when this Oprah thing happened, uh, Chinese New Year um, came into play and we had a lot of angry customers because of the delays there. So, you know, I, I was really frustrated with um, the whole manufacturing supply chain side of the business. And now everything's made in California. So we, we brought it to the U.S. and it's, it's running a lot smoother now. Did you have to raise prices when you brought it over to the U.S. or just take a, a, a bigger hit on the margins? Like how did, how were you able to make it work? No, in fact, it actually remained the same, if not a little better with our margins, because what we were doing with China. So since the beginning, just so you know, um, we were set up as a made to order business. So we wouldn't uh, stock any inventory like we took the orders up front. And then uh, I guess now they call it print on demand. But back mm -hmm. then they were uh, making these sweatshirts for us and shipping them um, to my house, actually. And we're shipping them out of our basement um, based on the orders that came in. So there was definitely a large turnaround time. But the way they shipped it to us from China was with DHL Express. So that added quite a bit of cost on there. And then, you know, now that we're doing it in California, um, we eliminate that large DHL expense. And it works out to be a little bit you know, better for us in terms of the margins. That makes sense that if, if most of your products are already in the U.S., most of your customers are in the U.S., then you can save costs there too. So it's not always going to be more expensive just to produce in the U.S. You guys obviously made it work uh, for your business. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier that you first got started in supplements and then now moved, of course, over to merchandise and shirts. What was that transition like? Was, did you, were you able to bring a lot of what you learned over from a different industry to, to a new one? Yeah, so I actually started out just with eBay. Um, at the time, uh, they're, they're called uh, HCG drops. They're weight loss drops that I was messing around with. It was really just something my wife was interested in, actually. And I saw that they were selling quite a few of them on eBay. So I did my research and started to order some small amounts of inventory and get involved with that. And then that led to me starting my very first online store. And uh, from there, I actually got involved with the private labeling side of uh, weight loss products. So I, I launched a, um, a contract manufacturing company and we did private labeling for other brands like me to sell um, you know, their own branded weight loss products. And I since have sold that business. So um, now I'm just fully focused on apparel. And based on your experience in, in having successful businesses in two industries, what kind of key, uh, I guess, identifiers do you see when you, if you were to pick another a niche or another industry to go into, like what kind of key benefits of a particular industry make it easier to 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 start and run a business in? Uh, so, are you referring to? The supplement industry? Well, both, you know, because you have experience and you have successful business in the supplements and now you also have a successful business in the shirts and the merchandise. Are there kind of key overlaps between the two that you notice in those industries that make it maybe easier, advantageous to be in those industries? You know, supplements, it's, it's tricky. Like the margins are huge, but uh, it's really cutthroat. Like, there's a lot of competition. Um, and you just have to be really competitive with your pricing and, and somehow try and get the traffic, which was hard for us to do at the time. Um, you know, cause we didn't have Facebook marketing at all. It was just all SEO and, and we got fortunate to do well with the SEO, which led us to have a successful store there. But if I were to start a supplement company today, I, I wouldn't really know what to do because the practices were so different back mm -hmm. then. Um, I'm assuming, you know, you can't advertise weight loss products on Facebook. So you'd be, uh, stuck with, um, you know, maybe Google AdWords allows it. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, for, for the apparel industry, at least for our type of product, the, you know, it's all about building hype for us. You know, we want people to be really excited about the products. Um, you know, they're super unique. So we kind of thrive off of that, um, you know, shock factor, I guess you'd call it the WTF factor. And, uh, I really, you know, fits well with our brand. You know, people naturally share this on Reddit and and uh, Twitter and Instagram. So um, we're, we're, you know, heavy into social media for beloved shirts. Yeah, I would love to hear more about the design process. How does a a a shirt or a design go from? Or how do how do you come up? How do you come up with the ideas, and then how does it end up actually ever getting onto a shirt? Yeah, so the beauty of print-on-demand, what they call it now, um, and being made to order is speed to market. So literally, <laughs> like what we do as a, a team here at Beloved is we're constantly 
having fun with um, the internet. Like we're, we're, we call ourselves almost, I guess you could refer to us as internet whisperers. Uh, Cause we, we love to like, you know, look at what's going on on Reddit and, you know, in the meme sphere. And we base our design ideas off of that for the most part, of course, like there's, you know, some fun things we like to jump on stranger things, uh, Rick and Morty. We like to do a lot of um, apparel inspired by those, um, you know, shows and, but for for the most part, um, we really like to just shock people. So we're looking for stuff that will either um, confuse people or, you know, just draw a lot of attention that way and blow people's minds. And, and once we come up with a design, um, it's honestly, it just takes about a day. You know, we, we just have to panel them into, uh, you know, cut and sew panels. That's how we do the manufacturing. So the sleeves and the torso and the neck ribbing and our designer lays the art out for that. So it's ready to go. And uh, then we just publish it to Shopify. And as orders come in, they're ready to go straight into printing and, and manufacturing. Mm. So with so many shirts, so many designs being made, uh, what, what is, I guess, your, what would you consider your success rate of a design to actually having a shirt or, or any piece of merchandise that, that is, uh, what would you consider successful? Um, you mean success rate based on like the, the amount of products we're listing, like which ones will take off? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, if you put out design, do all of them end up selling and being something that you want to continue to have on your site or do you curate, uh, over time what, what actually ends up on the site? Yeah, definitely. Um, not, you know, there, there's a lot of designs that don't do too well at all, but, um, the way we're set up being, you know, print, uh, uh, what is it? Print to order or print on demand mm -hmm. is, um, you know, we can publish as many designs as we want. It's not really going to be an issue. We don't carry any inventory. Um, we actually like to have this large database because it helps when, you know, you do have that select niche interest and someone's wanting to search for, you know, ramen noodle t-shirts. So they're going <laughs> to find it, you know, like we, we just have a huge database. And this is actually when we were on Shark Tank season seven, this was kind of an issue for the sharks. They were, um, you know, they weren't too happy about the amount of SKUs mm -hmm. I had on the site, but I don't think they really grasped the whole made to order side of the business. Like, I think that's effective actually. And, you know, I haven't tapped into, you know, optimizing these, uh, product listings in a way that I should, I'm trying to, but you know, what we're starting to do now is tag each of our products with a theme tag in Shopify. And, uh, we're building theme based collections so that, you know, everything can be easily found and, you know, we're just trying to make it a lot easier for people to find what they want. And, and the fact that we have so many products on the site is only, um, you know, helping us out and helping us be stronger. Yeah, I think I think a lot of listeners out there are in in the merchandise and the print on demand and the t-shirt business. What what, what kind of uh, advice or what, what is your what would you say is the most important aspect to keep in mind when when designing a shirt that that is uh, the goal of the shirt at least is to generate as many sales as possible. Um, so, you know, a lot of it has to do with traffic. Like, of course you got to have a good design stuff, you know, something that people would like and want to wear and buy. Um, but you know, you need traffic to it. So what we like to do is just, you know, with our designs, we, we like to shock people, right? So it's something that we think is easily shareable, like, especially in a Facebook post or a boosted post or an ad, uh, where people are going to tag their friends just cause it's so funny or so shocking, you know, you need to wear this. Like right now we did a, an ugly sweat, ugly Christmas sweater, uh, with the hairy chested design, the man's nipples on it. He has a actual jingle bell Christmas ornament piercings mm, on the it. nipples. So, you know, that one kind of did the same thing as our swimsuits. Almost like we've, uh, I think we've sold already 500 units of that sweatshirt. Whereas like, you know, the next popular design on the list in terms of sweatshirts might've sold only 30 in the last you know, a few weeks. So, you know, you can see the, the crazy spikes that happen there. And, and we kind of rely on that. Like we, we like to, and this might not be the right fit for everybody in print on demand, but that's just how our business model is. Like, you know, our whole mission here with beloved is to, you know, help, per, you know, complete strangers start conversations with each other on the street. Like I love that aspect of our apparel where, you know, people, you know, that might be introverted or shy naturally can, you know, finally experience, you know, some attention and people coming up and wanting to talk to them. And, you know, if you look at some of our reviews, like we've had, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, but he, he wore this uh, Kim Jong-un hoodie that we had. And he said, like, for the first time in my life, uh, a beautiful woman came up and talked to me on the street. And I just love hearing stories like that. And, 
you know, I'm an introvert myself, so I kind of, you know, I love how the apparel helps me express myself, you know, and, and, you know, people can realize that I'm not just this, um, quiet, boring guy. There's something else there if they get to know me. So. <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you have a design, it sounds like the approach is that you, you put this on, on a product and you, you create a mock-up of it and then you post it on Facebook and drive traffic to it with a, with a boosted post. Yeah. So our process, like, um, you know, for the most part, when we don't have a, a pay-per-click expert working with us, uh, what we do in-house is, you know, we'll naturally post to Facebook maybe once a day or so with uh, new designs or whatever uh, media that we have. It could be a video clip of our products. Um, what we'll do is if we start to see that um, get some viral attention, we'll immediately boost it and uh, sometimes even just reboost and reboost um, and, you know, see how long we can ride it out. And from there, if it it really was a success for us. We uh, go ahead and convert that into an ad. And uh, another thing we've been messing with recently, which I think is really powerful for us, is uh, we use ManyChat um, for Facebook Messenger marketing. And uh, we do what's called a growth tool in our boosted post where we can set this up in ManyChat. So if someone comments on the post, uh, we'll follow up automatically. This is completely automated with... Um, you know, just a link to the product and saying, thanks for commenting. Um, and we kind of put that as a heads up in the actual caption of the post. Cause you, you don't want to just like surprise people like that. You need to say, Hey, you know, comment below and we'll PM you with a discount or whatever. And, uh, that's been really successful for us recently. That's cool. So they leave a comment and then you send them a, like a, a private message. Yeah. And that's all done through many chat with one of their uh, growth tool features. Mm-hmm. And do you need to do you need to have that uh, uh, I guess Facebook user liking your page to begin with before you can message them, or can you message anyone that comments it even if they're not a, a fan of your page? No, you can message anyone, anyone who comments, and we have to kind of be explicit about that. You know, in the actual caption of the Facebook post, saying we're gonna, you know, PM you with a discount or whatever it is that we're saying. Um, but yeah, they don't have to be a fan and. Um, if they do reply to that many chat post, then they automatically are opted into Messenger. They become a subscriber in ManyChat. Um, but we make it really easy for people to um, opt out if they want to. They just type stop or whatever. Oh, that's cool. So they're now subscribed to 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 your chat. Just like it's basically a chat bot at that point, right? Yeah, and got it. We haven't used it for too long, but we've been kind of coordinating our email blasts with uh, ManyChat. You know, doing similar condensed campaigns. So, based on your your experience so far, even if it's limited, what what's the setup like if someone joins uh, or opts in to to um, to receive your chats, chat bots, messages? What do you usually hit them up with first? Like, what are some important messages to send a brand new subscriber to 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 your uh, to your chat bot? So we kind of treat it similar to email. You know, if you're going to opt in on our site with email. Um, we'll follow up with our welcome message and give you a 10% discount. And we do the same. We have a little welcome message in many chat. And then, uh, from there, I haven't messed up, messed around with too much in terms of the, um, automation and setting up a prospect welcome series yet in many chat. I know you can do that. Uh, we've just mainly been using it for broadcasting, um, just, you know, sales or campaigns. Got it. And so you mentioned that one of the the emotions that you try to, to pull out of people with your products and when you advertise your products is this shock factor, this WTF factor, like you mentioned. Based on your experience, like what are some other reactions or emotions that you think work well specifically on Facebook? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not all about the shock factor, even for us. Like, of course, that's like what our primary focus is, but we also like to cater to people's passions and interests you know if somebody is literally obsessed with pizza like we want to give them an all-over print pizza shirt uh, so we kind of like to kind of put ourselves in their shoes uh, for different interests and demographics just trying to find out like hey what would they really love to wear and uh, you know people love to show off their passions especially in their clothing and their t-shirts so yeah just uh, I would look look at that specifically just something that's going to really draw in. Like if they're obsessed with Rick and Morty, you know, come up with some really cool apparel, apparel uh, inspired by Rick and Morty and stuff like that. So do you find that your demographic, your market is pretty widespread in terms of the type of people that are interested in your products or is it pretty concentrated? You know, it's, uh, 
for the most part, I would say a younger crowd, like whether anywhere from high school through, you know, college age, but you know, I would say people up into their forties are still buying our stuff, especially if it's a niche interest. Um, a lot of movie lovers, star Wars enthusiasts, um, like our brand, you know, we have a lot of galaxy prints and, and we even kind of mesh well with the, the EDM space. Um, so ravers like our, our clothing, got a lot of prints that cater to their needs. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly the younger crowds, uh, to be honest. And, um, we get a lot of grandparents shopping for their <laughs> grandkids. So, yeah. Now, because they they do have they do fall into different niches, uh, you know, the EDM niche, like you mentioned, or people that are into specific movies. Does that make your marketing or your targeting harder? You know what? Like, I don't personally do a lot of the Facebook ads myself, so I haven't messed around with a lot of these audiences. Um, I'd have to, you know, look mm-hmm. into that more with my PPC guy. I actually just brought on somebody who's. Um, developing a bunch of ads for us so but yeah I, I think we like to you know base our audiences more off of um, people that have bought something so that you know for example these uh, sexy chest swimsuits the hairy chested swimsuits uh, we have a segment already in our Facebook audiences of people that have bought that and it's a lot of people that have bought it so that data right there is pretty powerful if someone's going to buy a hairy chested swimsuit they might be interested in the hairy chested, uh, ugly Christmas, <laughs> Christmas sweater or yeah. something like that. Got it. Now you mentioned that you, you brought on recently a PPC guy, uh, some kind of Facebook ad expert. How do you, how do you work with somebody like that? What, what's, what's required in terms of your, your commitment to, to, to them to, to, to get this program off the ground? Uh, so it's been great so far. Like we haven't really needed to do much with him. Like, um, he's been great with, uh, just coming up with copy and, and of course, here and there, like we could, uh, you know, provide them with graphics. But for the most part, uh, a lot of the, the media is just on our, our website, you know, pulling product images and things like that. So um, but it, it's fairly new. This is within the past couple of weeks. So we're kind of on standby, especially for Black Friday um, of what types of uh, graphics or content he might need from us. Um, that's where we shine, you know, coming up with funny captions, too. So we can definitely help with that. Got it. Now you mentioned lots of movies. So you mentioned Rick and Morty. So I'm assuming there's lots of licensing and legal that that needs to happen when you do uh, produce merchandise or T-shirts or shirts with those uh, those brands. Can you talk to us about what goes into that? Yeah. So um, you know we we have done official collaborations in the past, but when it when it's something that we don't have licensing for, we just trying to keep it vague. You know, like more inspired by instead of. Um, you know, actually using their logos. And, um, it is a gray area. Like, you know, it's a risk and a lot of people are, are taking that risk of, you know, you know, intellectual property. And even if it's inspired by it, it's, it's still kind of crossing the line a little bit where it could be, um, something that you get a cease and desist on. We've had plenty of them. Um, but it's just part of the business and we take yeah. that risk. So the first step that that happens if you do, you know, tread into this gray area is a cease and desist. Like there's, they usually don't take any, I guess, more drastic measures above that initially. Um, In our experience, not really, especially in print on demand. Um, If you're doing a lot of wholesale or inventory, then it's a different story. But, you know, a lot of these cease and desist, for example, we did one called the, I think it was the puppy monkey baby pug, like from the Super Bowl, you know, that Pepsi Mm -hmm. commercial. So we did a sweatshirt with that and we got a cease and desist from Pepsi. And, um, you know, we reply, our lawyer drafted a letter in response and, you know, mentioned the amount of units we sold. And, you know, we took it down, obviously, because that was their request. But um, from that, they didn't follow up any further because, you know, only three or four units sold of that. So it's really, I think it just depends on, you know, the volume. and uh, But for the most part, uh, print on demand doesn't uh, do a lot of volume or, and there's no inventory involved. So it's not as big of a risk in my opinion. Right. Because you're not, you don't have to hold on to his inventory that you may have to essentially get rid of because of the uh, season desist as well. Um, now it, it sounds like a lot of your business is built on getting this viral attention. And we talked a little bit about how you use Facebook to, to kind of kick off some of this attention. Are there any other channels or, 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 uh, platforms that you use to help 
at least get the ball rolling on on a lot of these uh, new designs? Um, so let me see here. So aside from Facebook, definitely Instagram. You know, from the beginning, that's really how we were discovered was through Instagram. Um, and yeah, we were also on Twitter, but Facebook's been great for us lately. And um, Reddit naturally just happens from other people um, coming across our site. And yeah, it's it's kind of gotten to the point now where I honestly don't even try and strategically craft these responses at all because they just happen. You mm-hmm. know, we know they happen. The brand circulating and people are like, there's enough traffic there to where people are going to share uh, the funny stuff they find from our site or the stuff they're passionate about or whatever, you know? Right. Because you have a big enough base nowadays just to to get the stuff out to them and they will essentially kick off the virality for you if they like the product. Exactly. And even with our Facebook audiences, like the reason before why I didn't really have much to say in terms of like what demographic or int- interests in my targeting we have so much data already from past purchases and, and customers um, just based on our products. Like, as you can tell, like there's a lot of different themes and categories of products that we have. So we can pull um, a segmented audience for just people that have bought per- pizza related apparel, you know, and market to pizza lovers. And so it, it's a pretty good setup right now, now that we've been in business a few years. Got it. So you, obviously you mentioned that there are so many products on the site because you don't have to hold inventory. Everything's printed on demand. How do you think about organizing the site? Like, well, what goes into deciding what goes on the, on the, on the front page and how the categories are organized? How do you think about all of that? Yeah. So that's kind of like what I'm experimenting now with my, I have a developer that works for us, um, Shopify expert and, uh, I'm trying to develop some more automation there in terms of like what's truly trending on the site and, you know, like the most viewed products versus the most purchased within the last, you know, week or, you know, last three days even. And I want to kind of set this up to be what's featured on the homepage. Right now we have a trending section and a new section, what's new, but this is all kind of guessing on our part. Like we just kind of eyeball it and put what we want on the site, but that's kind of next level for me is I want to, automate the on-site like optimize our on-site experience um mm-hmm. as much as possible kind of like amazon does like they just know what to show you you know right and you mentioned a most viewed or most purchased so far what do you think is better should you show the the products that people are looking at the most or show the products that people are buying the most so the problem i think right now with um the setup that shopify has for best sellers is I don't think there's a way to display it in a collection based on um, a date range. I I think it's the Mm -hmm. best sellers of all time. Uh, So the actual trending view that we have is based on um, most views, which we use an app uh, from Power Tools. I think it's called Power Tools that does that. And uh, you can sort your collections based on trending. Um, And it's like, you know, the amount of views within the past seven days, I think. Um, so it's pretty cool like that we have that, but I'm still trying to figure out like if there's an app out there that can do it based on purchases within a time frame, that'd be helpful, I think. Yeah, I think time frame makes sense, right? Because otherwise your your probably your oldest products will always show up first since they probably get the most views of all time yeah. and most purchases. So you probably want something a little bit more timely and a little more relevant. Um, now, of course, you mentioned earlier about being on Shark Tank. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, the, the story, why don't you tell us about, about it first? What, what, what did you go in looking for? And then what happened at the end? So Shark Tank, we auditioned at the University of Utah. Uh, it's kind of random, just like last minute thing. And um, at that time, we were collaborating with Katy Perry. Uh, we did um, a holiday collection with her, actually. Sorry, that happened after Shark Tank. But before that, we were already collaborating with her on the pizza onesie. She was wearing it on tour. So I kind of brought a little printout image of her wearing our, our pizza onesie at the audition. I don't know if that helped our chances or not, but I think it did. And, you know, so from there, I, I got a call back saying that they um, wanted us to to go to L.A. And uh, from there, they take... Uh, I think it's, what is it, the only 20% of them? Uh, I don't know the exact figure, but, you know, we had to kind of, you know, audition again to see if we could actually make it onto the, the show. So, um, yeah, we, we ended up filming in September. Um, 
shoot, I don't even know what year now. This is all foggy to me, mm-hmm. but it's season seven. Um, I think it's episode 21. Uh, and we filmed, it was in it's September, and then it aired in the following March. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of nerve-wracking waiting that long. But the whole experience was was good. You know, my whole strategy going in there uh, into the tank was I got to be extra nice to the sharks because I know they can pretty much eat you alive if you come across as cocky or you know, mm-hmm. somewhat rude. So I, I was really polite and I think it turned out well, like they had some fun with me in you know, certain parts and some of it, they didn't even air thankfully. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think like what Damon said, I was, I don't know what he compared me to, but I was dead to him at the end. I know that he yeah. gave me an offer and we couldn't come to terms. So yeah, you, you did some negotiations and ended up walking away. How, how hard was that? Yeah, it, it was intense. You know, like I was there probably for almost an hour of talking with them and they drilled me hard on metrics. And I think that's partly why Mark Cuban backed out soon as, um, I, I guess I didn't have the right answer right there on the spot for him in terms of, a uh, customer acquisition cost or something like that. But, um, anyways, it, 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 it was intense. And afterwards they make you meet with a psychologist. It's mandatory. Wow. A lot of people have like me- mental breakdowns, but you know, it was okay. Like my, my wife and kids were there. Even my son was on the, on the show with me. That was fun. He's the pizza kid. I don't know if you've seen that uh, yeah, meme definitely. of him. I've definitely if your seen the episode. Crush likes pizza. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So you you mentioned that BuzzFeed got you you know tens of thousands of uh, dollars in sales uh, for almost a week. What were the results from being on Shark Tank? Was it the same or more? Uh, yeah, it was a really good spike. Um, not as much as I anticipated, to be honest. I have a, a neighbor of mine um, owns Mission Belt, and he took a deal with Damon. And I know he got a bigger spike than we did. I think if you take a deal, you get a better spike from what I hear. Um, but yeah, for, you know, that day, of course, there's like, you know, 30,000 people on the site that day um, that it aired. And it aired in the East Coast first and then California. So it was kind of funny just seeing the different spikes. But um, yeah, for about a week, it it did pretty well. And then whenever it re-airs, we get you know, additional spikes, which is nice. But uh, to tell you the truth, our hairy chest swimsuit um, got us more traffic than Shark Tank did. So it goes <laughs> to show the what viral shock factor can do. It's even more powerful than primetime TV in some cases. Yeah, it probably makes more sense for the type of audience you're targeting as well. They might not all be watching Shark Tank, but I'm sure they're online and seeing your seeing these products. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the what I've seen on your site. You're using um, a few different tools that that I hear entrepreneurs using all all the time. So I'd love to hear your take on it. So you have a couple of things on here. One thing I've noticed is that you have the the pop up that that slides down from the top that essentially asks if you want it to be notified. Essentially, I guess for for any updates. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what, what does that app do, and, and how does it help your business? Are you talking about Wheelio? No, oh, we we talk about Wheelio in a second, but it, it actually pops up and slides down. It might be only on on Chrome. I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, okay, I know what you're talking. About. That that one's new, actually. Uh, it's Recart, so we're we're tr- trying to mess around with the Chrome browser push notifications mm-hmm. uh, for retargeting, and they also have a, a messenger retargeting uh, feature as well. Like if you click on one of the products, you'll see that there's a little um, checkbox for you know, add to messenger or whatever, when you're adding to cart, it'll, um, kind of set you up to get remarketing in messenger. And at first I think you could have that, um, pre-checked. I don't know if it's showing pre-checked for you now, but, um, Facebook changed their terms. So I I think it has to be unchecked by default. And that's why we put in this little discount incentive there under the add to cart button that says, you know, like get updates in messenger and you'll, you'll get a discount or, or something like that. But, um, yeah, we're messing around with it. It's still kind of, fairly new to us uh we don't know um you know the you know enough results to really decide how long we'll keep it for but i'm excited about the idea many chat doesn't do abandoned cart remarketing uh we use that mainly just for like a welcome series and you know just campaigns but recart is specifically for uh, abandoned cart got it and when the for, for recart, how does the uh, the banning cart remarketing work? Is it just sending me notifications through my Chrome uh, Chrome browser if I if I opt in? Yeah, so that's different than the the Messenger one. So Chrome would be kind of similar, like 
you know, it'll, uh, I don't know how many hours after it's going to send you a reminder of what's in your cart. And then I think we have it set up for like the next day. It'll like do another reminder saying, Hey, and, and this one will probably have the discount code in there. Um, more of an incentive. And I think there's a third. So I think it's a max of three that we do. And this is the same process we do with, uh, email. We use Conversio for, um, abandoned cart email marketing. Um, but yeah, the, the messenger one is completely different from the push notifications with the Chrome browser. Um, that'll end up going to their Facebook messenger, um, app and it'll show them, you know, our messaging reminders of what's in their cart. Yeah, and you you have this spread throughout your site of of uh, pushing people to Messenger rather than, I guess, your more traditional sign up with an email address. Is there a uh, reason behind your your focus on on Messenger rather than or over email at least? I don't know if it's over email because we do like that Wheelio pop up is pretty prominent. Like we get a mm-hmm. lot of signups with that. It's actually pretty effective for us. Uh, I think since we've enabled that app, we've captured over 30,000 email addresses through Wheelio. Um, Recart, um, it's more just strictly for abandoned cart marketing. Like our actual subscribers for Messenger is done with ManyChat, and we don't have that anywhere on the site. Like there's nowhere someone can opt in. So what you're seeing in terms of Messenger is strictly abandoned cart strategy. It's not not someone opting in for our, our campaigns. Many check only happen if someone's commenting on your, on, on a Facebook post and that's what kicks off their potential opt-in into many chats, uh, messenger program. Yeah. Or if they simply message us. So if they go to our, uh, Facebook page and message us in messenger, uh, that'll opt them in and they'll get a welcome message. And along with a message that says, if you want to unsubscribe at any time type stop. So we make that pretty easy for them too. Mm-hmm. And do you have someone monitoring any messages that come in? How, how is that managed? So that's the funny thing with ManyChat. It's impossible, especially for uh, a brand of our size, uh, to keep up with the messages. Mm-hmm, so sure. we kind of have this little, I think in our welcome message, or maybe we have a default reply in place right now where it says like, you know, like we're not human. Like this is a, this is a bot, you know, mm-hmm. like so they they're kind of do it with a little bit of humor and say, if you want to talk to a human um, email us or click here to go to our uh, support page. We we use Reamaze. Uh, it's kind of like Zendesk for customer support. So we have a little help center there. And that's what we link to from uh, that many chat reply if they really do want to talk to somebody instead of a bot. Got it. So I want to talk a little about Wheelio. You mentioned that that has been successful for you and they uh, kind of came on the scene and lots of stores have installed it. Talk to us about what it does for anyone out there that hasn't had experience using Wheelio. Yeah, like I haven't really read into all the research about it or anything like that. I just know it's been effective. I've seen other people using it, so I naturally wanted to try it. And uh, it kind of gamifies the experience of, uh, you know, they, they get this little wheel where you can enter to win. You got to put in your email and, you you know, the incentives are, are impressive. Like we have, you know, we give away a free pizza necklace. It's like these this pizza slice um, pendant necklace that um, if they land on that one and then other parts of wheelio would be you know like a coupon code and yeah it's pretty cool I, I like the interface and people tend to like it so we end up showing it i think after 60 seconds of browsing on the site and then it won't show to people that have already used it um and i don't think i have it set up for abandonment window abandonment i, I might have at some point but i need to look into that into that again Mm-hmm. Now, one other cool little thing that I like about your store that I don't think I've seen any other store do is that one, I have the tab open, but I leave the tab and go to another one. The The title on the on the tab that belongs to your site says, come back, we miss you. And it, it's basically a rotating between those two messages. It was very eye-catching. It makes you do go back. Did you yeah. use an application for that? Yeah, it either makes you go back or exit out because with my OCD, I can't stand something calling for me like that. <laughs> yeah. So. It's effective. Like, I love that. And this is, a, I think it's called Please Stay. Um, it's an app. And the dude's genius that made it. He actually has another app called Chester um, that I'm messing with, which I think would be huge if he can figure out the algorithm for it. But it's basically like this online shopping assistant. And I have it installed, but it's disabled right now because right now it's just showing like uh, a sort order of products from alphabetical order instead of like what's trending or what's best selling. But once he develops like the optimization of that, this little tool is amazing. Like you got to check it out. Like the interface is rad. It's just this little online shopping icon thing. Like it's this guy named Chester and 
yeah, I'm hopeful about it. But he also developed that app called Please Stay. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. It's definitely eye-catching and you're right. It makes you want to go back just to kill that notification or I guess eventually leave if it's if it too uh, too annoying. Uh, yeah. so one other one other last thing that I want to talk about that's on your site that, that I see in others as well is the, the pop-up uh, notification that in the corner or in the bottom that lets uh, the user, the, the customer know that someone else has purchased an item from, from the store. Uh, what's the, how does, how, what is the, the reason for adding this to your your store yeah so i i don't know how i feel about it because it's like kind of annoying to me but then again i think it's doing a good job like i I don't know who convinced me to leave it on there maybe it was one of my employees Mm -hmm. um, or possibly the app developers i think it's called fomo um fear of missing out uh, mentality where you know people are buying these out and you know i don't know how effective that is with print on demand because there's no inventory involved it's not like it's going to go out of stock but it is kind of cool to show what people are buying, you know, just giving people ideas if they're, because our, our site can get overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff there. So to see like what people are actually buying might kind of motivate them in my mind to, you know, check it out or see something I like. I think at the minimum, it at least reassures you that there are other people that are interested in this as well. And it adds a little bit to the trust factor that there are other customers that are trusting, you know, to buy from your, your store. I mean, it's probably not as relevant for you now that you are already a large established brand, but maybe for a new store that needs some more credibility, I can see that being uh, certainly beneficial. Yeah. Now you don't only you not only are selling on your site you're also selling on Amazon. Uh, talk to us about your your experience there. Was this something you added on later? Did you start on Amazon first? Yeah, so we um, use an app called Shopping Feed. Uh, it's kind of expensive, but for us it's worth it because of the volume we're doing now with Amazon, where it's syncing it all with Shopify. So our whole print on demand supply chain, all the logistics. It's re- any order that comes in on Amazon for us routes through as a Shopify order, and then it'll go through our system uh, for manufacturing. So um, I tried in the past to sell on Amazon without this, and it's just a nightmare, you know, trying to you know, import these things manually um, with CSVs and all that. So Shopping Feed is a really powerful tool. It even helps you optimize your Amazon listings um, in a bulk manner. So I just do all kinds of rules in there. And uh, yeah, it also works with Etsy. We did try selling on Etsy and Etsy banned us for some reason. I guess they're not a big fan of print on demand, but um, I'm hoping to try again with them because we, we did like in our first week, it was like 800 bucks through Etsy. So I was like, well, might as well, you know, the more channels, the better. Yeah. Doesn't Amazon have like strict guidelines on shipping and manufacturing time? Is that is that ever an issue for, for your business? Not if you specify it. So Amazon does have... Uh, uh, setting there for turnaround time like you can specify i don't know if you, when you shop have you ever seen like where it says it'll um ship by this date or mm-hmm. in stock by this date so we're, we're very um conservative with that like i think our turnaround time on amazon we make it even longer than on our our website just to be safe so got it so as long as you specify the customer then amazon has no problem with with that yeah and another thing we've just started messing with with amazon too which i think i'm excited about if we can come up with a good um, system and process for it is uh, whatever is viral or selling really well on our site. I want to start pre-making those in bulk and sending to Amazon to sell as Amazon prime FBA. Um, Cause you know, obviously you're going to convert a lot more if it's prime um, instead of the, the large turnaround time. So uh, I've messed with that with the hairy chested swimsuits and uh, I'm starting to research more of our best sellers to try it as well. Got it. Now, how, how large is the, the team nowadays to, to help run this business? So um, in the past, actually, when we were on Shark Tank, we had about 20 employees. But that's because uh, we tried to manufacture ourselves. So we had our own heat press and warehouse. And it was uh, we quickly learned that we weren't good at manufacturing. It was just it's not our strength. You know, we're more in uh, design and marketing. And uh, so now it's all outsourced to, to California. But and and because of that, we're down to a team of I would say about seven of us, uh, and not everyone's full time. Some are part time, and uh, we all work from home now. Um, you know, like my designers in Colorado, and I have people in California. Um, even my assistant um, Lindsay, she used to live here in Utah, but now she's uh, living with her husband in Thailand. They're doing some fun adventures there, and she's able to still work for me from there. So it's pretty awesome. 
That is awesome. How do you uh, keep everybody on the same page and organized? So we uh, use Slack, which is awesome. Um, and we um, also are starting to use uh, Reamaze a lot. Like we, we'll tag each other in there for certain issues with customers. But for the most part, Slack uh, works well for us just for communication. Got it. Now, what do you spend most of your, your time doing? So I'm kind of obsessive over the website, you know, and it's kind of, uh, it's good and bad. You know, I think I, I get a little bit too obsessive sometimes to where, um, maybe that wasn't the best use of my time. So I, I do focus a lot on, on the site and working closely with my developer and how to improve it. Uh, I'm also dabbling with, um, ideas for new designs. I love that part of the business. So I like to be involved with it. And then of course, just, um, strategy with the team, you know, like on our upcoming sales and campaigns and what we're going to do. And over the, let's say last year, what, what change have you made on, on your site that has had the largest impact on, on your conversion rate in sales? I'm trying to think here. Our conversion rate really hasn't changed much. Like we hover around, to be honest, around 1%. You know, of course that's going to go up uh, during, you know, this month, even it already has through the holiday mm-hmm. shopping, but it's just the nature of the beast, you know, when you're in print on demand and, you know, this is more expensive apparel we're dealing with because it is all over print, sublimation, um, made in California. So, yeah, we just kind of live around that 1% conversion rate. But, um, you know, I think it, it actually is starting to go up now that we have a, a pay-per-click expert, a Facebook advertising expert, because um, when we get more targeted traffic, it does go up. But a lot of our viral traffic, especially from Reddit, doesn't convert well. It's just people having fun. You know, people, I've even had people at trade shows. I went to Agenda once um, with Beloved and, you know, these guys came up to me just saying that they, one of their favorite things to do or one of their favorite things that they did uh, the other night was just get high and look at our site. Like they love to just browse around. It's more of an entertainment experience for a lot of people. Does, does that uh, affect the way that you do things like remarketing when you do have a lot of essentially like window shoppers that are coming that probably will never buy, but they just like their browsing yourself for entertainment reasons? Yeah, so I'm thinking about that a lot more lately, like trying to incentivize more on our remarketing. Um, you know, just like people that in their mind made up that you know, they're just a window shopper. They're not going to purchase to actually like throw them this crazy deal and see if we can, you know, seal the, the deal with them. But yeah, it's something I've been thinking about. I haven't really come up with a good strategy yet though. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a challenge that a lot of stores have that have these viral products. They get a ton of attention. Uh, but then it, even if it's a lot of traffic, they're probably generating a lot of sales, but there's only a small percentage that are ultimately converting that it kind of might screw up with their their data and, and analytics if they aren't uh, you know careful. But it sounds like you, you're definitely recognizing that. Um, now, now, you... You. This is now again the end of the year, end of 2017. Big time for for gift shopping and for people that are buying presents. Do you change up the way that you present the site, or change up the way you're you're doing your marketing uh, to target people that are buying presents for 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 the holidays? So yeah, we're pretty much in Black Friday, Cyber Monday mode right now, and our strategy is a little different uh, this year. Last year. Um, we did a lot of flash sales and we kind of hyped up a fun interactive experience where, you know, every few hours we're changing the category that was going to be on sale. But this year we're trying something new. We're actually trying to increase our amount of subscribers on our email list. And, uh, so what we're doing right now, if you notice the pop-up on our site is we're using privy, um, to announce that, um, you know, we're going to give early access to the black Friday sale if they opt in. And, um, in fact, we're even going to give them a little bit deeper of a discount code just for subscribers. So we've already built a landing page gift guide, um, that'll be shown just to people that, um, are subscribed to our email list. And they'll also have early access, meaning on Thursday, instead of Friday, they'll be able to shop all of the, the, the black Friday deals that we have posted up and be able to use a, a promo code. That's even, uh, deeper than what they would get on actual black Friday. And, uh, for the other um, strategy on actual Black Friday. This will just be a site-wide discount code um, that'll be available to anyone, regardless of whether they're a subscriber or not. And we're going to then um, put up our gift guide on the homepage. So we have kind of a mini holiday gift guide that we feature on the actual homepage, and then a, a larger version if they were to, to click to see more. 
And our goal um, with the website is honestly just to make it as easy as possible for people to find what they want. Um, so you'll notice on our site, we have a ton of different categories, pizza shirts, you know, s- sweets or junk food, uh, Stranger Things themed. There's a whole collection based on memes. So we kind of have these categories divided out in our in our gift guide. Um, you know, and we just label this section called what are they into? And they can shop by category. We also have some that are sectioned by gifts for her, gifts for him, customized products because we do a lot of custom, um, you know, putting your dad's face on a sweater or a blanket for his holiday gift. Um, we do, we have one for stocking stuffers for our accessories, um, you know, and then there's the price ranges like gifts under 25, gifts under $50 or under $75. And that's pretty much the way we have our, our gift guide laid out. Got it. So you mentioned that you did flash sales in the past uh, during this uh, shopping season. What were the upsides and downsides of, of that approach? Yeah, so uh, the only downside to it, honestly, was the amount of stress it put on our team. <laughs> you know, constantly changing the website every couple of hours, especially on Black Friday when we wanted to get out and shop ourselves. It, it was it's stressful. Um, our first year doing flash sales, uh, we actually had an issue with our website, not not because of Shopify or anything. It was uh, an app we were using. I think it was product discount. Um, kind of bought, or there was some bug where it wasn't discounting the prices in time. So we got a lot of angry shoppers saying that they couldn't get the the flash sale deals when we announced it. And so yeah, there, there's some risks there if you're going to be updating the site regularly, um, hoping that apps are running smooth because you know servers get overloaded and. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of just keeping it simple, and and I'm excited to see how it works out this year. Mm -hmm. And back when you were doing a flash sales, how long were each sale? How long was each sale lasting? Um, so we we kicked it off with our ready to ship blowout. So all of our customer returns or inventory that we wanted to clear out, that was like the main thing, the doorbuster sale that we did, insanely low prices with discount coupon code on top of it. Uh, and then after the door buster, we kind of led into different themes. Like, you know, one of them was, um, I think it was, what was the next one? Like a gym sale or something like w- with only for tank tops and leggings. And then we did another one for like a pizza flash sale for pizza related merch. And, and, uh, even like towards the end of the day, we, we did a, f- a sleepover sale for our, um, full body belovesies. They're actually zip up onesies and blankets and and we we kind of kept it themed and made it fun that way and and tried to and and we did blast these on Instagram and Facebook as well the moment the flash sale happened and we had a really fun video to go with each so it was a fun experience it was just really stressful and a little risky in terms mm-hmm. of are we going to get the site ready in time so. got it and what what made you uh, start with the the doorbusters the the really really good deals that were ready to ship and steep discounts yeah, I just honestly, we like to clear out our inventory. Um, my whole business model, it's print on demand, and I am not a fan of inventory. I hate inventory. I want to get rid of it, so I'm pretty motivated to do so, and Black Friday is a great time to do it. Got it. And do you think this kind of model works beyond Black Friday as well, You know, for people that are maybe don't have the time yet to prepare for, for a Black Friday uh, or Cyber Monday and are wanting to prepare just for that time leading up to, to Christmas? Can you run these kind of sales regardless? Do you mean the flash sales? Yeah, the flash sales, do they work after Black Friday uh, before uh, Christmas? Yeah, so after Black Friday, like we honestly... Um, you know, the flash sales that we did last year were just Black Friday, but then we did our weekend sale, which was Black Friday weekend for Saturday, Sunday. And that did really well for us as well. And then um, we did change it up for Cyber Monday to have a completely themed sale just for Cyber Monday as well. So we kind of, you know, just changed the site up for each of those uh, different events. And then after Cyber Monday, um, we pretty much just uh, hype up our order deadline for getting a guaranteed, you know, December 25th delivery. Um, and then after that, we we tried to hype up our gift cards. And in fact, our designer put together a pretty fun interactive uh, printout. We call them printout presents where, you know, whether they order a gift card, gift card, or even an actual product that's going to be on the way, but not delivered in time, they could uh, print out uh, using his PDF template that, that he built uh, an actual image of the product, like a thumbnail image of it. And it was pretty fun. Like he has a way to fold it into a nice pizza gift card or galaxy print, uh, 
gift card, um, which is a fun experience for people that are procrastinating and didn't mm-hmm. get a gift in time. It's still something, you know, especially a custom gift. If you do a really funny one of, you know, your friend or your loved one's face on a shirt and you can let them know that, Hey, this is custom crafted. It's going to take some time, but it's on the way. Merry Christmas. Uh, that, that's another good way to spike. I, I like that, that approach where just because the customer is beyond the, the ship deadline, the deadline that, that is required before in order for the, pro- the product to get to them before Christmas doesn't mean you should stop trying to sell them things and you shift the focus to, to products that don't have a, a shipping deadline, like gift cards, for example, things that they can print at home or maybe even digital gift cards so that you can still sell them things that doesn't require uh, shipping, essentially, so you don't have to you can get around this deadline. And the second thing you mentioned, uh, or earlier thing you mentioned was about these order deadlines. Did you find that that kind of urgency pushed people to, to, to buy uh, uh, right before that deadline? Um, yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people obviously want to get it before Christmas. So if you're putting a concrete deadline there, uh, for guaranteed December 25th delivery, it's, it's going to create a sense of urgency. And we have a a pop-up for the site that we did last year, as well as at the very top of our site on the navigation menu, we had a little candy cane icon with print or holiday order deadlines. And it led to, to that actual landing page. So very yeah, cool. I, I think it's a good tool and it's important for your business too. You don't want to be upsetting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now this, this gift guide that you have created, you mentioned that there's a mini holiday gift guide on the front page and then there's more if they click into it. Can you say a little bit more about this? Like how, how, how's it set up? Yeah. So it's not set up right now on the site if you were to check it out, but um, last year we did and we're planning on doing the same this year where, you know, we have our homepage banner and a couple um, blocks underneath um, and maybe even some featured products that we want to show on the, on the homepage. But I also created an actual gift guide block or section of the homepage, uh, with some nice holiday lettering, you know, saying holiday gift guide. And then we, we just included, um, a condensed view of what our actual gift guide landing page would be, you know, what we think would be the main, um, most important categories to, to promote on the actual homepage, like gifts for her, gifts for him. A lot of people divide their site by men versus women. And then, of course, custom products. We want people to to see that. So I'm pretty much just choosing maybe, you know, five or six blocks that I want to um, put on the homepage, category blocks. And those would obviously link directly to the category they need, or they can click to view the full gift guide and uh, go to our landing page that we have ready for them. Mm-hmm. How many products do you you put into each of these these categories? Uh, so it really depends on the size of the collection. You know, our pizza collection contains, you know, both T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, blankets, you name it. Most of our product types have a pizza print. So it's a pretty decent sized collection, maybe a few pages. Um, but then there's, a, you know, a more specific niche. Uh, let me think, um, you know, for example, Donald Trump. You know, we have maybe just a few items up there or um, the BFF collection. That's where you know, best friends can order matching. Like we have an avocado tea um, that has the pit and the other <laughs> one is empty without the pit. So things like that, are, we put together into these unique uh, curated collections. And then of course, aside from the themes, we have actual uh, product type categories, such as here's the t-shirt collection or the hooded blankets, you know, and then they can browse all the different art on those product types, mm-hmm. which we'll showcase in the, in the collection or the gift guide. Yeah, and around this time of year, because you are going to, going to get a ton of traffic, do you typically uh, reduce the number of changes that you make to either the marketing or the site, no other than adding in things that are holiday specific? Do you try to reduce all of that so you kind of freeze uh, the the site during this time so so as to not to risk anything, or are you still willing to make a lot of changes? I, I honestly make quite a few changes, especially to the homepage around the holiday season. Uh, I think that's the time to do it. You really want to, you know, go after the theme for holiday shopping and get people into that Christmas spirit. So, yeah, I'm all about even adding, you know, a little snow feature, falling snow on the <laughs> site. I think that's kind of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. So BelovedShirts.com is the website. What do you have uh, planned for, for the next year? Well, next year, I'm actually rolling out my very first Shopify app. Um, we're going to be doing print-on-demand manufacturing for other brands like Beloved. Um, it's already released in beta. It's called Sublimation Kitchen. If you go to the website, sublimation.kitchen, you can see it. Uh, in fact, you can install it to your Shopify stores right now, but it's not in the app store. 
just yet. And next year we plan on fully rolling that out and, and having a nice powerful platform for people that want this same type of product. Very cool. Obviously you have tons of experience, so I'm sure that, that, uh, that's going to be an amazing app for people to check out. They are interested in selling products like yours. So again, thank you so much again for your time, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. I think a, a decent amount of people, uh, especially on Facebook, actually watch a lot of videos with no audio. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com blog.